Good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cuff, Henny Cutter, Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Native issues, Zoe, are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. This portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Yes, they are, and we really appreciate their support and uh, all the hard work that they've been doing for years and years and years here fighting uh, for Mother Earth. We discuss uh, a lot of things here, and today we're going to have uh, State Senator Mary Kunish on to give us an update of what's happening here in Minnesota uh, at the Capitol. A lot of great things happening. Again, just reminding, and I, I'm like reminding myself, we have a trifecta here. Uh, the governor, the Senate, and the House are all Democrats, and they're getting things done. We really appreciate that. But nationally, we're a little upset, but uh, I won't get into that right now. But what we will get into is the news with Ogama that you don't hear anywhere else. Welcome, Ogama. Hey, Bujuanin relatives. My name is Ogama Ganuakwe. I am a citizen of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota, and I have some news for you here on Native Roots Radio. We're going to start with the good news. Uh, the good news is that today the state of Minnesota, uh, the governor, Tim Walz, uh, signed into law what is being called universal school lunches. It is a law that will provide breakfast and lunches at no charge to all students in Minnesota that are participating schools. It makes Minnesota only the fourth state in the country to do so. According to Minnesota Public Radio, uh, excuse me, Governor Walz told Minnesota parents that this is going to ease some, some of the stress on them. And Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, who was also present, said that this was one of the most important things she's ever worked on. Um, many families are really celebrating this. The legislation is, of course, very similar to the program that was introduced during COVID-19's pandemic um, that provided meals for all students. And it was discontinued at the end of the last school year. And many parents in Minnesota, um, myself included, you know, were kind of not ready to um, have school lunch costs, you know, rebudgeted in for us. Um, so I'm really excited that beginning next year, uh, the cost of school lunches for all students in Minnesota that are participating in those schools um, are going to have that option. Um, there's also a law in Minnesota that requires schools to provide identical meals to all students. Um, so that is really an exciting thing as well. So that's providing lunch or preventing lunch shaming practices where children are denied food or given substitutes that would indicate their family is maybe struggling in the financial realm. Um, so those measures were kind of already in place, but um, to have this um, cover all school lunches and breakfasts for students, even if the families don't meet the household income guidelines is going to be a really big deal. Robert, as a teacher, I'm, how are, as a former teacher, how are you feeling about this? Well, you know, it's so important uh, for that meal. You know, it's just, a, it's just an equalizer out there, you know, and a lot of, you know, Ogama, we've talked about over the years, a lot of our students in the inner city here sometimes don't know where they're staying the night before. And school is their their uh, savior in a sense. Right. Yes. And uh, one thing, important thing that um, this bill pointed out and advocates for this bill pointed out is that there's many students whose families don't qualify under the USDA income guidelines who are also, you know, at risk of being food insecure or are already food insecure, meaning that their family may not have enough food to feed everybody in the household every day. So they really rely on that free lunch or free breakfast at school to be able to make ends meet to cover for the cost of meals for their family um, and to not have those um, school lunches be paid for because they don't meet those income guidelines is, is a hardship for a lot of families. I mean, um, 
since it ended last year, um, just for paying for school lunches for my daughter, I think I've sent $400 in to her school this school year um, to cover breakfast and lunches for her because we don't, she rides the school bus. So we don't do breakfast before we leave the house. It just doesn't work out for our schedules. So it's convenient to have breakfast available, but um, you know, to budget that in when I'm talking about, you know, school clothes and school supplies and, you know, all those other costs that come with having a student, um, you know, that was, that was a big hit this year so i'm really excited that this is going through as a parent personally um the other thing i wanted to touch on um as we come into what maybe resembles spring is that there are a few flood the court events coming up here towards the end of march thursday and friday march 30th and 31st uh, at 8 30 a.m at the clearwater county courthouse in bagley minnesota is the jury trial to support uh ba grandmother Jill, Grandma Jill, during her upcoming trial. Um, she took her third stand to protect water at the Mississippi headwaters, and uh, she suffered chronic pain and permanent injury uh, for taking that stand. There was an officer uh, who damaged her um, during one of her arrests, and uh, they're holding that rally again uh, Thursday and Friday, March 30th and 31st at the Clearwater County Courthouse. Um, and there are some uh, Zoom support dates in Aiken County, March 23rd, beginning at 9 a.m. Central. There's Zoom support dates in Aiken County. Um, there's in-person dates for Aiken County, March 31st as well. You can support uh, Don Goodwin, Water Protector, April 4th in person at the Aiken County Courthouse. And you can support Tara Haska in person, April 5th at the Aiken County Courthouse. If you have not yet and you want details on that, go to Flood the Courts and uh, sign up for the link. It's on actionnetwork.org and uh, click on Receive Line 3 Flood the Courts Updates. Uh, the last thing that I want to talk about, Robert, and something that's probably going to be a theme as we are going through our news today, uh, it was announced yesterday that Minnesota regulators are monitoring a cleanup of 400,000 gallons of radioactive water from an XL Energy nuclear power plant in Monticello, Minnesota. The company is claiming that there's no danger to the public, but uh, it has also come out that this leak um, that happened into the ground uh, is uh, has, has happened since November. Uh, it began in November and uh, they did not go public with it, claiming they wanted to, you know, know more information about it. Uh, the water contains um, tritium uh, and uh, they claim again that there's no, um, you know, danger to the public. But I do know from looking on uh, the maps that it looks like the uh, nuclear power plant Monticello is, you know, very close to the uh, Mississippi River. And it looks like there's ongoing monitoring at about two dozen wells um, confirmed. And uh, yeah, those things are just, I mean, I mean, it's it's absolutely atrocious that this even happened. Um, for those of you who don't know Minnesota's uh, locations, Monticello is about 35 miles northwest. That means upriver uh, from Minneapolis-St. Paul. Uh, so that, uh, you know, had the ca capacity, had it reached the Mississippi River where many of the drinking water in for the Twin Cities comes out of, uh, that could have uh, been a lot worse. And uh, we're still, you know, getting more information uh, as the leak was confirmed back in November, uh, November of 2022. Um, and in between that time, Robert, I found something really interesting too. Um, the the nuclear power plant in Monticello was actually approved to stay in operation for another 20 years, uh, like a week and a half ago, um, despite that they've been dealing with this leak since November 22nd. So I'm not really sure how that works out regulation wise that they're, you know, just given a clean bill of health to continue operating for 20 years uh, when when they've clearly had a leak. Um, and one of the things that's really um, concerning to me as I'm reading a lot of these articles is the same thing that concerns me when we talk about things like the Line 3 pipeline. There's not a lot of information in here from the company saying uh, what they're going to do to prevent these things from happening in the future. So... We'll probably yeah. talk a little bit more about that uh, as we go along in the show today. And uh, thanks for having me back, everybody. I've been gone a little bit here and there. So glad to be back. 
Yep, great job as always. We're glad to have you back. Uh, that was Ogama with the news that you don't hear anywhere else. Uh, really appreciated the native centric, and we're always protecting up Mother Earth. So those updates are very imperative. Thank you so much. Hey, up next, State Senator Mary Kunish. You're listening to Native Roots Radio presents. I'm awake. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Native American rights are on the ballot April 4th. Vote for Judge Janet Protasewicz. She values Wisconsin's tribes as sovereign nations and recognizes Native rights with fairness and integrity. Judge Janet understands the importance of issues such as missing and murdered Indigenous women, treaty rights, and hunting and gathering. We deserve someone that knows these things matter. In-person early voting begins March 21st. Check your municipality's early voting schedule at vote.wisdoms.org or call the Voter Protection Hotline at 608-336-3232. You can register to vote at the polls on Election Day with a photo ID and proof of residence. Your tribal ID can be used as a photo ID to vote. Stand up for your people. Vote for someone who will stand up for you and stand up for Native rights. Vote for Judge Janet Protasewicz for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Paid for by the Democratic Party of Wisconsin as an in-kind to Janet for justice. We are your relatives. We are your relations. Brothers. Sisters. Sons. Daughters. And, and some, some of us are your grandchildren. We are your community. Historically, we held places of honor and respect. Because of the impact of colonization, some of us are rejected, thrown out from family, friends, and community, set up as targets for sexual violence, sex trafficked, humiliated, tortured, and murdered. Everybody has the right to be safe. We are your relatives. Remember, homophobia, homophobia is not traditional. traditional. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Bijou. I am Oshawashko Gijig. I'm from Red Lake Nation, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. This segment of the show is brought to you by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, thanks, Zoe. And again, thanks, Ogama, for the great news update. Uh, uh, just crazy stuff. But now we're here with State Senator Mary Kunish here of the great state of Minnesota. And a lot of happenings up at the Capitol uh, and a lot of good things that are going on. And so we can't wait uh, for this great report. Welcome, State Senator. Good, good evening, everybody. Good to be here with you. Yes, it's pretty awesome. So what's been going on, Senator? I know uh, Ogama just reported and I saw pictures of you uh, and uh, our, some of our Native crew watching uh, the governor sign some bills. Uh, Mary, it, it's a good day to be uh, not only Indian, but uh, Indigenous and uh, a Minnesotan. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely is. Uh, I know that the, the governor signed into law a whole bunch of stuff. I'll see if I can find the list of it. Uh, but one important thing that uh, got signed in this week was um, the MIFPA bill, the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act uh, bill. That was the bill that uh, I and uh, Representative uh, Keeler authored to um, put in those protections should ICWA go away. So we, um, we got that taken care of, passed it off of the floor a week or so ago. And now um, the governor actually signed it for sure uh, this past week, or excuse me, just yesterday. And yeah. then in a couple of weeks, we're gonna try to get our, um, get our uh, community together and do another ceremonial signing of that because we really did rely on the voices of the community to, to be sure to that we were doing the work in a good way. And the tribes had their very own work group that worked um, very hard to uh, make sure that we had all our ducks in a row. 
And um, so, yeah, that was that was the really uh, the great um, signing. And then today I got to also witness another signing of a bill to uh, allow for universal meals for all of our uh, students here in Minnesota. And so um, we, we students will no longer have to pay for lunches. So those that uh, whose family are not um, able to for financial reasons, don't have to go through the rigmarole of filling out uh, documents and forms. And um, those that aren't able to pay don't have to worry about that anymore. So any kid can come to school and be fed. And, and we know that when our kids are hungry, they don't, um, uh, they don't, um, it doesn't work very well to try to teach them. And again, uh, Robert, you and I, having been former teachers, uh, recognize that that's a, that's a real thing. That's a real deal. And Ogama, you've got young kids, you know what it's like when they're hungry. So nothing seems to work when you're hungry. <laughs> so that was really, um, so very, very exciting for, for today. Um, you know, in Minnesota, we had this terrible, uh, rash of catalytic converters being stolen uh, and and resold. So the governor signed a bill that would, um, you know, that that addresses that. Um, you know, these are all really um, important bills that we've been able to pass uh, because we do have a Democrat, a DFL uh, majority in uh, in our state government. And uh, so many things have been held up over the past, well, since I was elected and, uh, you know, the first elected in the House in 2016, and we're finally unclogging everything. We're just putting good policy, good programs in, and it's been just absolutely delightful and exciting. It's a lot of work too. Uh, and I've been down there watching you work and I'm going to be down there Tuesday for the, the big celebration down there at the Capitol. And, uh, I see how hard you guys work. I mean, I visited you on a, on a separate bill and, uh, talked to you about that and ran around, talked to a bunch of senators and representatives, but it's a, it's a lot of work all crammed in a, a short time. <laughs> Yeah, we we um, we meet from January until May every year, and um, uh, we have a lot of work to get done in that time. A lot of bills to be heard. I think I mentioned I have over a hundred bills that I'm authoring, wow. and they're good bills. It's not just like this and that. You know, it's really, really good uh, legislation for Minnesota. And I'm just one person. You know, we've been able to um, um, move the needle on education, on health care, um, on housing. All of those things are going to make a big difference when it comes to, to the kind of life the quality of life that we want in Minnesota. And I, you know, I'm really sorry that, you know, there are other states that don't do, don't have that. We passed the PRO Act to ensure that women have access to abortions and have the right to choose what happens to their body. And we see all around the nation uh, states, you know, uh, taking that back. And putting even more restrictions on, right. and so uh, I'm I'm really proud to, and I'm so thankful that I live in Minnesota and I have the opportunity to do this. Yeah, and we are too. Um, you know, our neighboring state there, there's a lot of uh, anti-voting things going on, and that's all across the country. And we wanted to make it easier for our, our people to vote. You know, I have a quick question, and I don't want to be too controversial and uh, surprise you with a question here. So if you really don't know, that's that's fine. But we just had this issue with Monticello and uh, with the nuclear uh, leakage since November. Uh, as a senator, what what can you and how can we support you in a good way uh, about this? And what what can happen quickly or not quickly? What What are your thoughts about that? Well, 
you know, there are all kinds of um, parameters and uh, guardrail, guardrails, that's the big buzzword these days, guardrails, um, that we put around nuclear energy. You know, Minnesota has two nuclear, we have one nuclear plant in Prairie Island, and then we've got this one up in Monticello. And, um, you know, the big worry, and we heard this from the, um, the, uh, tribes on last week when we had sovereignty day, um, you know, they don't, they're not against nuclear energy, but if you look down at Prairie Island, they are like within meters of this, this nuclear power plant. And they have one way out. They have one road to get off of, to get out of those, those lowlands. So if it, if it, floods or if anything happens to that nuclear plant um, and everybody will say, oh, it's safe. We've got all these guardrails. We we have all these protections. And I have to say my niece works down there, actually. Um, but there are also big storage, uh, nuclear storage uh, caskets that are down there. And imagine um, if if there is a flood or if there is any kind of upheaval in the land, you know, the, the earth. So what we can do, uh, back to your question, is first of all, we need to know what went wrong and why and how it went wrong and what we need to do to ensure that that doesn't happen ever, ever, ever again. Um, I'm sure the people of Monticello don't want that to happen ever, ever. I mean, and those down downriver of the Mississippi. Um, and then we need to have really good information, factual information uh, by uh neutral parties who are the experts. And then um, perhaps we have to look at creating some kind of legislation. I'm sure they will come to the legislature and ask for money to do those things when, you know, the big CEOs and the chair people are are earning a lot, a lot of money from the people that they're, that are using those services. But we do have um, the MPCA, the Minnesota Public MP Minnesota Pollution Control Agency. Yes, Uh, Minnesota Pollution Control Agency um, that I'm sure is looking into it and a number of other agencies that that will have to um, ascertain what the the problem is and what we have to do to ensure that that doesn't happen again. Yeah, it's it's been on our our radar here on Native Roots Radio. because we're just so upset about this and not being hearing about it. But thank you for that uh, insight and information. We definitely do have to keep our eyes on. Mary, do you have uh, time for another segment? Yep, I can stay around. Right on. All right. Hey, we're here with State Senator Mary Kunish of the great state of Minnesota. We'll be right back. You are listening to Native Roots Radio. I heard sex trafficking happens a lot in Indian country. What is that? Here are some of the real reasons why sex trafficking happens in Indian country. Unequal gender roles that were forced on us by colonization. Communities don't have enough resources. Silence around domestic and sexual violence. Lack of attention and justice for missing and murdered indigenous people. There's a lot of behavior that keeps our communities out of balance. These are just a few true reasons why native communities are targeted by traffickers. When these acts of violence happen in our communities, it opens us all up for exploitation. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hello, Minnesota. This is Tom Hartman, and you can catch me every weekday from 11 to 2 right here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's smart radio for smart people. The Electric Fetus is having a pre-inventory storewide sale now through March 19th. 
Take 20% off almost everything in the store. New and used vinyl, CDs and DVDs, electric fetus t-shirts, hoodies and pint glasses, and tons of other great gift ideas. The store is open 10 to 6 Tuesday through Saturday and 11 to 6 on Sunday. Electric Fetus is located just south of downtown Minneapolis at 2000 South 4th Avenue. More info at electricfetus.com. Sale ends Sunday. Seward Co-op is now offering convenient self-serve and prepackaged hot options and salad bars at both the Franklin and Friendship stores. Breakfast items available daily until 11 a.m. and brunch served all day every Sunday. Their weekly lunch and dinner menus highlight cuisines from around the world. They offer vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free options daily. 95% of the ingredients used are organic from small-scale, local community food producers whenever possible. More at seward.coop. SeniorCommunities.Guide is your free online website to find housing, care, and resources for seniors in Minnesota. Use the powerful, award-winning search tool to quickly improve your search. You will have all the information you need to contact providers directly without any hassle. Start your search now at SeniorCommunities.Guide and follow us on Facebook for interesting articles, helpful advice, and how older adults are changing the world. At Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we have wood stoves that qualify for the new 30% income tax credit, a great opportunity to get an efficient stove and heat with renewable energy. Right now, avoid supply chain delays, avoid the fall rush, avoid bad weather installation, and save money because we are now discounting the price on all chimney parts you need for installation for any of Woodland's new stoves and fireplaces. We can help you with the stove and the chimney planning. Want to do it yourself? We will help you determine all the parts needed with our installation know-how. We have been installing wood stoves and fireplaces for over 45 years. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces has over 35 working wood, gas, and electric units on display at the corner of East Franklin and Riverside Avenue in Minneapolis. Save money. Take advantage of the spring and summer chimney discounts when you buy any fireplace product right now at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. Hi, I'm Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, shame-free dental office. If you're having a dental emergency, we'll try and get you in the same day you call because we don't like to see anyone in pain. And we'll help you get through every appointment in the most pain-free way possible. As my daughter Rachel says, If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Shamblot Family Dentistry in Hopkins and St. Paul. Find them online at shamblotfamilydentistry.com or call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for some light snow tonight with a low around 10, Saturday cloudy with a high near 24, and Sunday sunny with a high near 33. Experience the bold flavors of Szechuan and Mandarin cuisine at the Great Wall Restaurant. Indulge in their menu favorites like the hot and sour soup, sesame chicken, and Peking duck. Order for takeout and view the extensive menu at greatwallydina.com. Conveniently located just south of 50th and Francity Dina. Again, greatwallydina.com. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by the Native American Community Development Institute. Right on. Hey, we're here with State Senator... Uh, Mary Kunish, and we had a lot to talk about, a lot of positive things happening, a lot of thing, a lot of news happening, free lunch for kids, that's right on, um, just all these great things. Mary, there, there's some stuff, too, that I don't know if it's controversial or what, but, you know, you have uh, a person that you've been talking about with uh, rank choice voting. Uh, I mean, you can explain that a little bit to our, our listeners. Mary, Mary, you're on mute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there we go. I didn't want to hear you hear have you hear me chomping on popcorn. Um, <laughs> one of the very exciting things that happened today was um, I got to meet uh, somebody that I have admired from afar, and it is um, uh, Alaska's Congresswoman Mary Patola, and she is. Uh, a congresswoman from up in Alaska that um, won her congressional seat 
um, that she probably wouldn't have, maybe might not have won um, if we had gone through the irregular, uh, you know, two candidate, three candidate, first choice sort of voting process. But um, she uh, was elected and they used um, ranked choice voting in, um, in the process for her election. So she is, she's a Democrat, but she's a moderate. And uh, she defeated former um, governor Sarah Palin and okay. Alaska Policy Forum uh, member Dick uh, McGitch in an upset this past August. And then she ran again uh, in November and won and she became the very first Alaska Native member of Congress. Very first Alaska Native member of Congress, and she's the only Russian Orthodox as well, which is really interesting. She's also the very first woman ever to represent Alaska in the House and the first Democrat since 1972. <coughs> so she's uh, a rock star. I was 11 when that last happened. Jeez, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Anyways, uh, she was in town today. And so um, they brought her over to the Capitol because she uh, she testified uh, in a hearing to support ranked choice voting. I got to uh, meet her and speak with her a little bit. And then uh, we had a little lunch together. And she went off and did her thing. And I just got back from sort of a little happy hour with other folks that support ranked choice voting. And um, I'm sure people are asking what the heck is ranked choice right. voting? Right. Well, it's a different way of voting other than going into the polls, looking at the list and just choosing one person. So um, it's more of a multi, like you choose your first, your first uh, choice, your second choice, and your third choice. And then based on that, um, so like in a single seat election, if a candidate receives a majority, which is 50% plus one of first choice ranking in the first round, then the candidate wins. So if they, if that candidate gets uh, the most, uh, 50 plus 1% of the um, first choice, they automatically win. But if no candidate receives that 50%, they don't reach that threshold, then there's an instant runoff where the second round takes place. And in that instant runoff, the candidate with the fewest first choice vo votes drops off. They're defeated. And those ballots now count towards those voters second choice and so that process continues until one candidate reach, uh, reaches a majority and wins and um, congresswoman patola uh, was pretty convinced that if it wasn't for ranked choice voting up in alaska that um, she would not have been successful because it has been very much controlled by by white men and um, the fact that here a woman, Democrat, moderate, um, was able to succeed. And she's just a delightful person. Um, she has, you know, her, her uh, priorities match us down here in the lower 49. But um, uh, just uh, I felt really uh, lucky and excited today to, to meet her, her and hear about the work that she's been doing already. Wow, that's exciting. You know, I always want to bring in Zoe here because she has that young uh, young mind and just a college graduate. On, uh, do you have any questions or statements about that, Zoe? Um, I think it's exciting. Um, I guess I didn't really know the impact that it would have, you know, what you're speaking to, Senator. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess um, if you could speak a little to, like, what that would look like for us, I guess, or... Um, if that's something that, you know, we're starting to consider in the Minnesota, you know, in the state. Sure. So some of the municipalities already do rank choice voting. So, for example, the mayoral campaign over in uh, Minneapolis, uh, Jacob Fry uh, succeeded twice using uh, rank choice voting. 
and uh, the way that uh, the the ranked choice voting folks here in Minnesota would like to do it. They would like to do it, you know, from the governor all down down the ticket. But um, there are those that don't think Minnesota is quite ready for that. And one of them is our um, Secretary of State, Steve Simon. He thinks uh, he thinks that at the municipal um, level, that's fine and it should work. Um, but he doesn't know. And I think a lot of education has to go out around how this works because we're not used to it. And it sort of uh, uh, sort of freaks freaks uh, a lot of people out. But, the, um, you know, what they found is that it, it gives voters more choice and more power. And it also allows for other parties to participate in this. It requires those candidates to build a, a broad majority of coalitions. So, you know, rather than just going to our base of like, for me, Democrats, I would have to reach out to Republicans, Libertarians, other um, parties and say, look, um, you know, if you can't make me your first choice, would you make me your second choice? And here's why. So it, you have to build those coalitions a lot stronger, and that's going to take time. It really does encourage positive campaigning and civility because, um, you know, as candidates um, look to to become either the first or the second choice, if somebody comes to me and says, I, you're my first choice, but who should I have as a second choice? And I say, oh, Joe Schmo has been really rude. He's been passing out misinformation about me. He hasn't been this or that. Um, they might not choose him. So they have to be civil in order to be chosen for a second or a third place. Um, you know, um, it also provo uh, promotes more inclusive and diverse uh, representation and um, just has proven to be successful along the, the way. So there are some cities that do this at the city level. Minneapolis does it at the governor's, at the mayoral level. And so I think it's going to take more education around this. Um, it might be this summer that we would go around and talk to tribes and ask them how they feel about it, if they'd be interested in participating. We already are planning to uh, reach out and, and talk about adding polling places or, um, or like mobile tr voting uh, mm -hmm. um, vehicles uh, on tribal lands. So this might be part of the conversation we also have with tribes. Mary, with uh, ranked uh, of choice voting, uh, it it it's more inclusive, right? Isn't, isn't that isn't that what you were saying just earlier? It gives more people to to come in and run, right? Because if you have those different choices, it's not just one and done. We now have more uh, more opportunity to. Um, to move a candidate up the rank as we go. So it's ranked choice voting. And um, that might be more, that might be less um, nerve wracking for candidates who are people of color, who are women, who are um, folks that have never run before for a public office and are nervous, but they would make a really good, um, a really good elected official. Um, and so uh, it really does expand the, the field of, um, of candidates. Because wow. like here in Minnesota, we have Republicans or Democrats. And if you are another party, you have to go out and you have to get X amount of uh, signatures to be added. Or you have to, um, in our um, endorsement, our, um, oh gosh. Primary. Um, Yes, not not the primary, but what's the first one that we we do when we choose our endorsement? Uh, not the endorsement, but our precinct caucuses. Yeah, our precinct well, that's caucuses. <laughs> yeah, I you know it's it's been a long day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but our precinct caucuses, you know, if you get people out there from other parties and they can get the support, they get enough uh, votes when we go through those primaries and um, then they can be added to the, to the ballot. But um, 
you know, the way it stands, we're kind of a two-party system, and this would absolutely allow for other parties to participate. Yeah, that's great right there. Mary, uh, thank you so much for stopping in. It means so much to us. Uh, I think, Ogma, you got you got a minute, Ogma, if you got a statement or a question. Yeah, I just wanted to let the people who are listening to us on air know instead of uh, watching us that uh, there's a little thing that says uh, you can advocate for ranked choice voting in Minnesota or nationally. You can go to fairvotemn.org. That's F-A-I-R votemn.org. Thank you so much, Ogama. And State Senator Pini Gigi, thank you so much for being on and, and sharing all this great news and information. Absolutely. You guys all have a good uh, good weekend. I'll see you at the powwow tonight. Hey, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. ho Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit MN350.org. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live and and let howl. This is Laura Headland with Food Freedom Radio. This week we'll be talking about universal free school lunch with the Metro Food Network. On Tuesday, the Minnesota Senate passed by 38 to 26, a program which guarantees breakfast and lunch for all students across Minnesota, regardless of family income. The universal school lunch bill already passed the Minnesota House, so now waits for governor's signature. Metro Food Justice this week on Food Freedom Radio, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Sundays at 9 a.m., and anytime via podcast. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Colvin 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh! Good one. Hey, Ogama and uh, Zoe, I got a powwow I got to go to, so I might be just leaving while you guys are in mid-sentence. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, uh, <laughs> we should uh, maybe uh, do a quick roundup, Ogama, and uh, really let's talk a little bit about this this uh, unbelievable thing that's happening that we don't want to breeze over. We really want to talk about it, Ogama, you know, with this nuclear power plant. And I know years ago, before you guys were born, probably, that the American Indian movement was fighting these uh, nuclear plants, and especially down in Prairie Island, and uh, uh, we knew things like this would happen, and especially in the depressed areas of, of tribes, tribal nations, tribal uh, uh, reservations, and things like that, Ogama. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's other places that have advocated for uh, this type of uh, work as well. I was just uh, kind of cruising and I found an article uh, back from 2012 about um, a group that 
was working in Minnesota, an environmental group, and and they kind of sounded the alarm about this power plant um, in Monticello, Minnesota, and talked about the amount of people whose drinking water uh, would be affected if there was some sort of discharge. And it talked about uh, this tritium discharge being the most common leak that happens uh, at nuclear power plants. And I mean, it's just, it's really, uh, I, I just can't count the number of times where there's, um, you know, there's organizations, there's uh, Native people, there's environmental activists that have called and uh, said, you know, these are the kind of things that could happen uh, if we allow these types of projects to come through. And uh, time and time again, they're proven right. And yet the general public and, uh, you know, the legislatures, the powers that be, they just don't listen. And and I just, uh, I you know, I struggle to, to understand uh, why that is. Yeah, you know, Ogma, we're a little older than uh, Zoe, and, um, you know, it feels like we've fought this battle before, and now Zoe's generation has to deal with it. I just, Zoe, what's your thoughts? I mean, my goodness, you know, I'm 61 years old, and you're just starting, and you know Ogma, and Ogma has young, young children. This is devastating news, if you really think about it. Yeah, I feel almost desensitized to it at this point. I just think, you know, um, you know, Robert, we were just talking about the Willow Project too um, the other night, Ogamon, just like how devastating that news is. And it's just like I've been saying like every day something else. But um, I don't know. I still have to be really hopeful for the younger generation because they're just so innovative and they're, they're coming up with so many different solutions and ideas and also just different attitudes on how to go about these issues. Um, I also think a lot about, you know, solar energy and other types of clean energy that, that truly are clean, that aren't greenwashing, you know? Um, and I think of people like, um, you know, Winona's son, Gwei, Gasco, who's working um, at 8th Solar Fire, and he's going around to different reservations and teaching them um, about solar power. So I just, I hope to see more initiatives and things like that happening to, you know, educate our youth on what these energy resources are and which ones are damaging and which ones actually could help. But um, yeah, what do you think about that, Ogama? You know, I, I have to keep up the hope just like you do. And I do see a lot of really good efforts. And, um, you know, greenwashing is another thing that we see a lot of, too. And uh, one of those things, you know, with the electric cars and even some of the solar, you know, has been greenwashed a little bit that there's a lot of those um you know, precious minerals that are required to process and make those batteries that um, require mining and uh, copper and nickel mining is really a big threat to Minnesota right now as well. And, uh, you know, I really would like to see more people pushing for truly green energy, like you said, like hemp batteries and those types of things that don't require uh, that level of mining to happen. And, you know, as a parent, like Robert said, of young children, you know, I was I was just sitting. Um, I had to take my cat to the vet yesterday. Um, he's fine, um, mostly. <laughs> it's nothing you know, disastrous that he was there for. And, um, you know, I seen somebody, I think Robert let me know that this had happened. And I started looking up articles of it. And I mean, my stomach was in my feet. And, you know, I'm, th I'm thinking about my baby, I'm thinking about my 10 year old, and I'm thinking about these types of dangers and, and why we as human beings keep taking these kinds of risks. And, um, you know, according to the um, Environment America group or the um, it's actually the Minnesota Public Interest Research Group for Environment Minnesota's Research and Policy Center. Um, as of 2012, they reported that 75% of U.S. nuclear power plants had leaked tritium and that tritium is a radioactive form of hydrogen that can cause cancer and genetic defects. And... Um, you know, that was as of 2012. So I don't know if those numbers are, you know, larger or smaller. Um, I'm, I'm really struggling to find updated numbers on that because a lot of these uh, organizations, the pollution control agencies in those places, they don't want us to know those numbers right. because that would indicate that perhaps they aren't doing their job. That, that would let us know uh, what's really going on. And, you know, I, I have a really hard time trusting a lot of these agencies. You know, Ogama uh, and Zoe, uh, 
I think this is where government falls short for us because we talk about hemp batteries. Now, if the government right out supported it, helped fund these startups, and got us out of this mess with minerals, I, I think that's the capacity what government can do in a good way, but I don't see anybody stepping up to that. Or maybe not the technology's up there uh, enough now. I don't know, but to me, that would be a, a governmental help, you know, like building bridges and things like that. Well, you got to follow the money, Robert. There's there's no money in startups and the government funding startups. They can't project, they they can't schedule money into a budget uh, on the projection of a startup supposedly being able to do this. You know, like that's one of the big uh, drawbacks to the government. You know, funding this well, is the, the way government- that the government can bail out banks rich people uh-huh. all these things that have happened uh, you know it, since covid and then also you you're old enough to remember 2008 and the bank collapsed I then i am but that's like a, that's that that's a that different that's almost a different issue because that's like a, a, a circular cycle um because you know they bail out the banks and the banks pay them back in campaign donations and those types of things and you know that's that's the circle of political life uh, with the U.S. government when we're talking about, you know, big bailouts for corporations. But, you know, when we're talking about things like a big thing that's coming up um, is the the budget policy for the uh, federal government. And a big part of that budget is uh, the money for Native people. And, yeah. um, you know, that that includes, you know, uh, IHS and, uh, you know, all kinds of other funding that um, directly affects Native people throughout the nation. And, you know, the way that our budgets are done here in the United States is just, it, it really doesn't make any sense. You know, they're, they're kind of playing with imaginary numbers, and yet they won't invest into these companies um, that could uh, help bail us out of this because those numbers are imaginary. So there's a lot of hypocrisy right. that yep. happens there. It is, but young ones like you and Zoe have to like say, "I've had enough. I've had enough of this." And maybe, maybe rank choice voting has something to do with this too. I don't know, but to get people in there to move and groove and not, uh, I saw. We're ending the show here real soon, but I saw an old uh, TikTok of uh, of Bear. Uh, uh, Ber- I always want to say Barry, but Bernie Sanders uh, on uh, old talk show when he was super young. And guess what? He was saying the exact same things as he was. 30, 40 years later, it's just a lot of us have caught up to it and it's not white noise and it's things that need to be done and, and your generation and the boomers need to, need to really step it up. And I don't see that happening. So that thank God for Gen Z and go ahead, Ogama. We got a, we got uh, 30 seconds. I just want to remind people that uh, February 3rd of 2012, there were uh, there was a leak of tritium at the Prairie Island nuclear power plant in Minnesota as well. Oh, my God. We'll be back next week. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. Free Leonard Peel. Free Leonard Peltier now.